Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. Attention all stargazers. Combining science, exploration, and storytelling, National Geographic Stargazers Atlas invites readers to roam the night sky for constellations, planets and moons, eclipses, comets and meteor showers, auroras, and deep sky treasures, including nebulae and galaxies, many visible to the naked eye and all with binoculars or a backyard telescope. Author Andrew Fazekas, also known as the Night Sky Guy, is on the line to tell us more. Thank you for joining me. Me. Oh, wonderful to be here. Andrew, how can someone prepare to look at the night sky in a meaningful way? Well, really, other than having a nice, clear night, you need to have that natural curiosity. And I think everyone has that. And you need to have a, a nice guide to kind of show you the way through the hobby and learn about the night sky and learn how to move from one part of the sky to the next. That's what this atlas really is about, is sitting down indoors, maybe on a cloudy day, and kind of learning about the lay of the land, so to speak, what the real estate in the sky is all about. It's carved up into 88 different constellations, these pictures in the sky, and uh, there's a whole bunch of history, mythology attached to each of them. There's stories, but there's also amazing treasures that are hidden inside these pictures in the sky. Some of these treasures you can glimpse with the naked eye. Others you need binoculars or telescopes. With a little bit of help, you can really see them in in all their glory. So it's really impressive what you can do just from the backyard. And you don't really need to go out to a dark site away from city light pollution. If you're a novice, just learning, it actually is a benefit because if you'd go out to a dark location, you'd be inundated and confused by thousands of points of light. And it'd be very intimidating trying to figure your, your way out of where certain constellations are. But in, a, in your backyard, maybe in the suburb where you are, or maybe downtown of a city and, and you have a, a balcony view, that might be just perfect in terms of seeing the brightest of the brightest stars that make up the most dominant constellations of a season. And that's the great starting point. And then what you do is you learn star hopping techniques. Visually, just with the naked eye, moving from one part of the sky, hopping from star to star. And you start learning more and more constellations that way. And every night you go out, you'll start recognizing those patterns because they'll be very familiar to you. And then before you know it, you'll be seeing a lot of these constellations as old friends that come around every year at the same season, same time of the year. And you'll be able to add on to your hobby by learning how to use binoculars and telescopes. And all of that is covered in this atlas. So once you find one constellation, 
Is it easier to find others then? Definitely. And there's certain constellations, there's certain groups of stars that are represent uh, kind of land posts or, or milestones of where you should start learning and because they point to other places in the sky. A very good one that's coming up right now in late fall and, in fact, winter is the Orion constellation. So well, and it rises in the east right now, very late at night. But as the weeks progress, as we head into November and December, it'll be coming up earlier and earlier in the evening. And what you'll notice is the three stars that mark the belt of Orion. They're very, very evident because there's exactly an, uh, a line, the three stars. So it's quite eye-catching. And when you see those three stars, you can use those to search for other constellations nearby. So for instance, if I would draw an imaginary line between the, those three stars in the belt of Orion to the left, I would be going off to Canis Major, another constellation, the big dog, that's represented by a very, the brightest star, in fact, of, of, of the entire sky, called Sirius. If I take those three stars of the belt of Orion and move to the right and draw an imaginary line to the right to the next brightest star, it's uh, Aldebaran, the red eye of Taurus, the bull constellation. And you can just keep going that way, hopping from stars to stars by using these dominant kind of guidepost constellations in the sky. And I teach those techniques in the math section of this atlas. What are some of the important astronomical events that we should be on the lookout for? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that's coming right around the corner right now is on November 8th, the total lunar eclipse. This is probably the best celestial event of 2022. So if you're fortunate to have clear skies, this is an event that's going to start just after midnight Pacific time, and it'll reach its maximum eclipse at 2.59 a.m. on Tuesday, November 8th. So this is going to be really cool because it's the moon, the full moon, will be moving into the shadow of the Earth, completely engulfed in Earth's shadow. And you can see that whole thing unfold over the course of two hours from the start of the eclipse at one o'clock, just past after one o'clock in the morning, you'll start seeing a little dark shadow on the corner of the moon, kind of one side of this limb. And that shadow is going to keep growing more and more over the the, uh, bright silvery moon until it's completely engulfed by the shadow of the Earth, and it turns this orangey-red color. And I'll tell you what's really nice, it's kind of romantic, I think, that all the sunrises and sunsets around the Earth are going to be cast simultaneously on the moon. By that, I mean the sunlight that's coming from behind the Earth has to travel, you know, most of it is blocked by the Earth itself, but we have a little thin atmosphere, and it travels through that atmosphere and gets refracted, kind of the light sunlight gets bent towards the red part of the spectrum, and that is then projected onto the moon. All around the Earth, all the sunrises and sunsets simultaneously, and that's what causes that orange-red color to appear on the moon during a total eclipse, and that's why it's sometimes called a blood moon. And this is going to be a great effect. It's going to be visible right across the entire North American continent, but those along the Pacific coast have a ringside seat to the most spectacular part, the maximum eclipse, 
at 3 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, November 8th. So go to bed early or stay up late, <laughs> but you want to see that maximum eclipse unfold. I'm speaking with Andrew Fazekas, author of National Geographic's Stargazer's Atlas. NASA just blew up an asteroid as a test. Is it really possible that an asteroid could conceivably crash into Earth? Yeah, you know, I, not to frighten people, but it's not a question of if that would happen, but when. And Really, you know, we're very fortunate to live in a, an epoch where we are a species that's reached technological capabilities of actually doing something about it. And that's what we tested for the first time is a planetary defense technique for uh, deflecting asteroids, basically nudging them to the side. In this case, with NASA's DART mission, we used a vending machine-sized spacecraft that basically hit this asteroid to the side and moved it slightly. And we measured that effect. It was measurable. In fact, it was 25 times more powerful the hit than we expected it to be on the asteroid. So it was literally a smashing success, the whole thing. (laughs) And it proves our capability that we can move an asteroid away from a direct hit on Earth to being a near miss instead. And I want people, I don't want people to be too worried about this because it's not something like what Hollywood shows have depicted where, you know, the earth is going to be in an apocalypse by, uh, you know, like the the dinosaurs were killed. Those giant asteroids that are over a mile and more wide have been cataloged. All of them, we know where they are, we're following them, and there's no danger from those. What poses a danger are the skyscraper to dump truck-sized rocks that our telescopes are just not powerful enough to see until they get too close to us. We're trying to survey those. We think there's a few thousand of them out there that need to be tracked, and we're working fervently to that. Those ones, if they do make it through the atmosphere, those could cause a lot of damage on a city-wide level, not on a regional or continent-wide. As a species, we're safe, so we need to keep track of those, and there are groups of astronomers that are looking for those currently, and we think we've found about 40 to 50 percent of those wayward asteroids that are the size of a, of a large building. And tell us about some of the newest research in astronomy. Well, I mean, I think probably what's on the mind of most people in terms of astronomy right now has to do with the James Webb Space Telescope. And there's a lot of offshoots to that mission as well, but on the ground, uh, observatories are in on, on the same research. But I think probably... All of that is to, to see can, how far can we see in the universe back to the time of the Big Bang. That's what the James Webb and other astronomy instruments are being used to, is really to peer back as far in space and time as possible. We think the Webb telescope will be able to look back to about 300 to 400 million years after the Big Bang. That, now, I know that sounds like a huge number, three to 400 million, but remember that we think the age of the universe is nearly 14 billion uh, years. So looking back at two, three, 400 million years after the Big Bang, we're literally going to see the light from the very first stars that turned on in the universe. So that's a big thing that we're trying to attain. Also looking at exoplanets, the James Webb Space Telescope and others are looking to see at the chemical fingerprints of the atmosphere of planets that are are orbiting other stars in in our galaxy. We're trying to find Earth 2.0. That's the holy grail in astronomy right now, is finding a planet that's similar to Earth that could host life as a habitable condition. Maybe bodies of water have a breathable atmosphere. So the James Webb Telescope is trying to characterize kind of 
track down these kind of planets that we've already found. We've seen them with other telescopes. We know they exist, but we know nothing about them. And the James Webb is powerful enough to actually tell us some of the characteristics of these alien worlds, like what is the chemistry of the atmosphere, and does it have water? Is there uh, greenhouse gases, perhaps, which would be very telling, wouldn't it? Would be, say there's a technological aspect, maybe aliens on a, on a world like that. The James Webb could open up a lot of new avenues in terms of discoveries. I've been speaking with Andrew Fazekas, author of National Geographic's Stargazer's Atlas, which you can pick up at shopdisney.com. Thank you so much for talking with us today, and we will keep looking up. <laughs> Clear skies. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.